I think Aaron is the only one that fades the music, so that means I have to get up. I was going to let it play a little longer, you know. (laughs) Well, it is so good to see each of you, and this morning as we gather together, the Lord is good. Amen. This morning, I know you don't have the title of the messages. I guess I'm just not disciplined enough to get it in there early enough each week. But the title of my message this morning maybe is a little different, maybe a little odd, but uh, um, have you ever felt like in life that sometimes you're going through the motions? Do you know what I mean by that? You're going through the motions, you're checking the boxes, but really, does it mean, you know, is it meaningful? Sometimes it's not. So this morning, I really have been concerned In the life of our churches today, have we possibly gotten to a point where we're just going through the motions? It's not as meaningful as it used to be. It's not as purposeful as it used to be. And are we just going through the motions? And and you think about it, what good is that? What, is, what good is that when we're just going through the motions when it comes in our time with God? It's not really great for God. It's not really good for us. We're here. We can check off that box that we've made it. But what about in our spiritual life? What about in our, as we grow in the Lord? Well, this morning I'm going back into the Old Testament, to the book of Malachi. And... Uh, as we look at the book of Malachi, I know a lot of times when we get there, people say, oh, that's where they talk about tithing. Well, you know, there's other things in that book besides tithing, and there's nothing wrong with tithing, but that's for another day. But, you know, the prophet Malachi, when he, when, when he, when he was called by God, you, do you know what his name means? His name means my messenger. His name means my messenger. He was God's messenger. And it, it, isn't it interesting that in each time when God had a prophet, God had a man, God had one for a specific, for a specific message. Well, Mal- Malachi was, was called because the children of Israel were back in Jerusalem, but they had been in exile and it's Malachi, and I believe God saw this, and that's why he called Malachi. He, he called him. He said, my people are just going through the motions. They're, they're, it's not really meaningful for them anymore. They're, they're just going through the motions. I need you to stress to them the importance of true service to God. And, and accepting and enjoying it and, and, and living it every day. And so we find that Malachi comes on the scene. And as Malachi comes on the scene, uh, he, he was one. He, he truly believed in genuine worship for God. He, he, he believed in it. He lived for it. And so we find that, that he came with a, with a passion. And that passion that he had came from God. And he wanted to share that back with the children of Israel. To get them excited again about the passion of serving the risen Lord. Or just serving God. He knew that the children of Israel had been through a lot. They had been in exile again. They had come back. And, 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 and there was a lot of indifference. You think about what we're facing today. Sometimes we get to a point where we just, we just kind of say, well, you know... Does it really 
matter. As a pastor, sometimes one of the things that concerns me is when I have an individual come to me and say, Pastor, I'm just going to give it up for a while. And I say, what do you mean? I say, well, you know, I've been active and I've done this and I've done that. It really, it really meant a lot. But, you know, now I just don't know. I, I, I think I'm just going to give it all up. And you see them slowly fade away and they're no longer attending church. And you ask yourself and you try to talk to them, why? And they say, well, it's just not meaningful anymore. You know, this morning, I want to address some of that this morning as we look at the last book in the Old Testament. Now, here's another interesting thing. God's Word. God's Word is powerful, amen? God's Word is, 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 is a mighty sword. But here, just note something with me. In this last book in the Old Testament is the last prophet to speak. Before John the Baptist comes on the scene. We're talking about a big gap here. Okay, we're talking about a big gap. And so look with me in the book of Malachi. Chapter 1. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard again today. The book of Malachi. Chapter 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. But I have hated Esau, and I have made his mountains a desolation, an appointment, and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins, thus says the Lord of hosts. They may build, but I will tear down. The men will call them the wicked territory and the people towards whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this and you will say, The Lord be magnified beyond the borders of Israel. Verse 6. And a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my respect, says the Lord host to you? O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting the foul food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the wine for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any any of your of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut down the gates, that you might not usually kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Verse 11, for from the rising of the sun, evening to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place Incense is going to be offered to my name in a grain offering that is pure. 
for my name will be, will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it. And that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also said, may how the tiresome it is, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so that you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? Be cursed. I'm sorry, but cursed, but cursed be the swindler who is a male in his flock and vows it. But sacrifice the blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among nations. I don't know if you catch what is happening here in this chapter, but it's, it's important to understand God is having a conversation with his people. He is bringing up items that, that concerns him and their complacency and, and how before they would bring their best And now it's their leftovers almost. They would bring a blemish sacrifice or they would bring a sacrifice that was blind because, well, it's no good to us, so we'll give it to God. That type of thing. And and, and God was having a conversation with them and he was telling them these things and they were coming back with their thoughts on those things. God loved his children. He knew what they had been through, and he knew that it was difficult, but he had an affection. He had an unconditional love for these people. But at the same time, he expected them to love him. When we love someone, how do we treat them? In our life, I want us to see, when it comes to our passion for God, think about, and and, where would we be without God? Where would you be? Would you even be sitting here this morning if it wasn't for God? I want us to see what we have because maybe when we see what we truly have in God, maybe we would treat him better. Maybe we would do things with a a sincerity. We wouldn't be just going through the motions. There would be a compassion. You ever get a gift, maybe at your birthday or at Christmas, And when you finally opened it and you looked at it, you really didn't know what it was. But your grandkids were jumping all over you. Grandpa, Grandpa, don't you love it? Don't you love it? You're kind of thinking. And then your grandkids show you what it does. And when you see what it does, you go, oh, that's not bad. But there for a moment, you didn't have an idea what it was. Didn't know how you were going to use it. What should you use it for? But now someone showed you. What do we have in God? You know, a lot of times we sing with some wonderful songs about God and how marvelous he is and wonderful he is. But have we gone through the motions and have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that? Because if we possibly hadn't forgotten that, then would our motions be different? Would we, would we be doing things with a passion? I want us to see this morning that I believe God expects us to give him the reverence that he is due. 
Now, I know church life has changed a lot through the years. And I know some of you thinking, well, it hadn't changed fast enough. Some feel like it's, it's changed too much. Some feel like it hadn't uh, uh, changed at all. But some of us can remember as children coming to church and as a child, you know, people say, oh, man, they sat still. No, we were we were fearful of our lives if we moved, right? We were fearful because if we flicked a finger, if we did anything, we knew we got home. We were dead because we were lectured, we were scolded, we were told when it came to church, you didn't, you didn't move around. You, you, you stayed close together. You, you were quiet. Now, you know, Brother Preston and I love kids, and we encourage kids to be kids. And I have also have encouraged parents sometimes, you know, with their children. I said, look, a baby's going to be a baby. A baby's going to cry. And I understand that. And I know that others say, well, I know some people give that look. Well, that mother should take that baby out of here because it's bothering me. You know, you know, that look. And we get into all those things. What is true worship? You know, worship is, you know, sitting there with that stern face that you just swallowed some prunes or something, you know. And, and you know, and that's worship. Is that really worship? You know, I, I say all that. You know, look at verse 6. That we read a moment ago. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts. I read that because, you know, in the Hebrew, that word honor that we have in our Bibles, it literally means heavy. Heavy. And so when you honor someone, it means you treat them as a heavy weight in your life. In other words, they have importance that that is a heavy weight. And when we see the importance of honoring the Father, our Heavenly Father, guys, He's a heavy weight. And that should change things. That should make how we look at things. You know, when it, we... Think about the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. You know, we, we need to treat them as their true, with their true significance. The true significance of honoring them. The heavy weight, the, the, the importance that is placed there. We find in this passage that God is basically saying, He said, I'm a father, I'm a master, I expect honor. Our heart. As I was saying before, we were, some of us were programmed of how to act in church. And I know there's some that say, well, that's how it should be. And that's what we need to get back to. And then others said, let them be. And, you know, but guys, isn't it something personal? Isn't it something personal? I know for, for many of you, this, this won't, this won't connect, but there was a great preacher in the 19th century, I think it was 19th century, called Henry Ward Beecher. Now this, this guy, people would come from all over to hear this guy. 
And, and on one Sunday, he was absent. He was, he was traveling somewhere else. And, and so there was a substitute preacher. And, and, and really, the substitute preachers, boy, it was, it was hard on them. Because when, when they would come to fill in for, for Henry Ward Beecher, people would get up and leave. Because they were there to hear Henry Ward Beecher. And so on this particular Sunday, the visiting minister came to the pulpit and they realized that Henry Ward Beecher wasn't going to be there. And so some of the people started for the doors. And this young minister got up. He said, may I have your attention? All those who came this morning to worship Henry Ward Beecher may now withdraw from the church. And all who came to worship God may stay. Woo! Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We've got churches today just like that. They're not Henry Ward Beecher, but if a certain preacher's not there that day, they go home. Well, well, who are we there to worship? We are there to worship the true living God. We need to see that that we need to to worship the Lord. But you know, a lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times we come and we have very superficial reasons to worship. Well, preacher, I'm, I'm here to hear a certain preacher. I'm here to watch the children perform. I'm here to visit with my friends. I'm here to fulfill an obligation. I'm here to enhance a business opportunity. I am here uh, to see someone else. I'm here to see what they're wearing. Should we be here to honor God? But sometimes if we're not careful, things get out of, out of kilter. And so the, the greatest reverence we can give is worshiping God. But the best response, the best response that we God made his allegations here. And he made some to the priest. Did you notice that? And, and, he, and he also made allegations to what some would call the professional worshipers. He said, when you present an animal, don't, don't give me a blind animal. Don't give me something that has been defiled. He said, if you wouldn't even bring it to the governor of your community, don't bring it to me. It always kind of reminds me, and just bear with me. You know, sometimes in churches when we say, you know, if you got something you don't need anymore, bring it to the church and we'll find somebody that needs it. It's kind of a phrase we get away from nowadays. I hate to say it. Some of the stuff we get is pure D junk. It's stuff that needs to go to the garbage. But people go, but I donated that to the church. It's precious. I said, well, take precious home. (laughs) Now, this is another true story, and I'm not saying this here, but, you know, some of you remember churches when a new minister would come, they would do a pounding. Are you familiar with that? If you're not familiar with that, it's an old custom. Uh, it's an old custom when a new minister, especially if they're new to like the state, new to the area, and uh, if they had a church parsonage, the church would pound them. And not, but what, what they do is that people would bring canned goods. People would, in other words, their pantry would be filled with items. You know, and their refrigerator, they would open it for the first time, and it would have all kind of things in there. And what, this happened to one family, and, and they were just thrilled to see all that. It just made them feel like they had been welcomed to the church. And, and so it was all in there. And so the wife was trying to organize it so she would know what she had. And she got to look in, and 
Some of the cans were rusted and some of the cans were bulged. Some of the cans had past expiration dates and, and, you know, and all this. And you think, why would people do that? Even all, <clears throat> all the way back to this point, this is what God was saying. You're giving me your leftovers. You're giving me your trash. You're giving me things you don't even want. And you want me to just go on and say thank you. Guys, we need to be careful with that. We need to see that I believe that the Bible tells us if there's anybody we should give our best to, it is God. Amen? We should give God the best. We should also, excuse me, give God the first. In other words, not, you know, something that just doesn't really matter, but God, this was first, and I'm giving you this. I'm putting you first. It points to the significance. And so giving God the first, giving God the best, and then looking and seeing, excuse me, and here's something we never thought of. Give God what costs you. You know, a true gift sometimes costs us, doesn't it? You know, and when it costs us, it has certain significance. It has certain meaning. Are we, are, are we willing to give God something that costs us? And when we're willing to do that, then, excuse me, then, then, then it shows that we want to put God in the position that he should be. We also need to see that we need to put God with the highest regard. The highest regard. Because think about, as we look at that, look at verse 11 that we read a moment ago. It says, For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among nations, and in every place incense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Go down to verse 14. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifice a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among nations. We just finished with Easter last week of celebrating what Jesus has done. And we think about his sacrifice. Jesus gave it all, didn't he? He died on the cross. He gave everything that it had. Did it cost God? It cost him his son. But a lot of times we want to give God the leftovers. We also, as we look at this passage, look at verse 13. It says, you also said, may, I'm sorry, you also said, May how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniffed at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? You know, has worship become realistic? A ritualistic type thing? Has it become humdrum? Has it become mechanical? Has it become familiar? We need to give God our best. I know we all have Sundays where, you know, we're, we're doing good to get here. I understand that. I have those Sundays too. But we need to realize 
Are we just going through the motions or are we giving God everything? One of the things when I do get to travel, I love to look at other churches. I love to go, especially if I'm in areas of old cathedrals. Doesn't matter the denomination, I love to look at old cathedrals. In one town up in Vancouver, British Columbia, there was a cathedral there that had colorful stained glass windows. And, and after the war, these, these stained glass windows were donated to the church. And um, um, the, the, the windows illustrated pictures of, of soldiers. Of soldiers who gave their life during World War II. Well, one day, a little boy was asking his mommy. He said, Mommy, who are those people in the stained glass? And she said, those are the people who died in the service. And the little boy asked, Jack, was that the morning service or the evening service? Sometimes that's how it feels like, doesn't it? Well, I died this morning in that first service. Man, they went on. They had the music too loud. I had to stand for three songs. Couldn't sit down. You know, we, we, feel like we just died in the first service. The preacher went on and on, just rambled, rambled, rambled. You know, poor us. How long was Christ on the cross? How long did he suffer? We feel like we have been mistreated sometimes, but we need to see the importance of serving our Lord. We have received a pardon for our sins. We have found through Jesus Christ that we have a power to help us with our weakest moments. We can experience a peace when anxiety comes over our life Christ says, look at me and I will help you. He is there to renew our purpose each day. To give us that energy, to give us that excitement, to to provide for us. Or are we just turning the other way? You see, worship is not focused on the Christian life. It's focused on a day-to-day obedience to God. And that's what we should be doing. We should focus upon Him. We need to see that's where our benefit comes from. Where we grow in the Lord. I pray that we just doesn't become humdrum. Well, now it's Sunday. But it's more than that, isn't it? Still remember there's places in this world that people could not even do what we're doing this morning. And how they long to worship. Guys, we have the opportunity. Let's keep it exciting. By putting our Lord in that proper place. And realizing what we have. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing that this world can do to diminish that. Let's pray. Christian Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. This morning I pray that we would see, Lord, who you truly are. That, Lord, when we find ourselves just going through the motions, Lord, may we rediscover the cross. May we be reminded of the sacrifices that you have paid. 
in the Lord to see that we need to give you our best and how and what you give us every day. Lord, I just thank you for each person here this morning. Lord, ask, bless them in your son's name. Amen.